Everyone has a life story, and everyone's life story contains a bit of darkness and brokenness. But can we use our brokenness to help inspire and empower others? I'm Leo Allen, and in this episode of Voluntary Input, I'm joined by Altavis Peltzer, who tells us that, yes, we can do exactly that. We can use our brokenness, bitterness, and darkness from our own lives to help inspire and empower others if we simply choose to become unmuted. Never forced, never coursed. Open discussions about things in life that matter to you most. From tech to TV, movies, and gaming, and everything in between. Visit voluntaryinput.com to subscribe, contact us, and find out how you can support the show. Catch new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Voluntary Input. Well, Altavis, thank you so much for coming on the show. First of all, first of all, I love that name. Is uh, I've never heard that name before, though. Is is this a name that's common in your family or where you're from? Have you heard this name before? I've never heard it. No, you know, it's funny that you would say that. So I hated my name growing up. Uh-huh. Like I was like, what would make y'all give me this strange long name? Um <laughs> But my great grandmother actually named me after Sammy Davis Jr.'s wife. And so when I was little, little, I, I was actually in about the third grade when Sammy Davis Jr. passed away. And so my name was in the newspaper. Oh, that so then. I like it a little bit more. Yeah, in a way, you was a superstar then. Well, I didn't I know that. Just a smidge. Just, Just a, smidge. a smidge. Yeah, I, never, I didn't know that. And I. Cause I'm a little older. I kind of grew up a little bit on Sammy Davis and uh, I, I didn't know that that was his wife's name. <laughs> I'm mad that you said cause I'm a little older. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit older, just a little bit older. <laughs> well, again, thank you for coming on. And if you could, before we jump in, can you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? Not just your name. Most definitely. So, hey, guys, I am host of the Hashtag Speak Easy podcast. I am a mom. Whoo, that part right there. <laughs> uh, I also empower and unmute the voice of women who are ready to speak up about what has kept them silent for way too long. I've worked with women who've been in domestic violence, homelessness. I myself have dealt with about of homelessness as well. And all of this adds up to this magnetic introvert that you're about to hear from in this episode. Magnetic introvert. I like that. I like that. Because I always tell people sometimes, a lot of people don't believe me. I'm like, I'm actually really a very shy person, but I love people and I can't help but talk to people and learn from people. So I think I'm going to start using that magnetic introvert. Did you come up with that? Yes, it it was. It's over time because... In the beginning, when I rebranded and decided that I was going to be a speaker and publish books and be out in the forefront, I was also like, mm, <laughs> do I really want to go out and be in front of all these people? Right. Because I would go to networking events and sit in the corner with a plate of food 
and just kind of stare <laughs> at the people in the room. So <laughs> <laughs> I really had to get to a point where I learned how to be a magnetic introvert. And that just means drawing people unto you. So that way you can go ahead and start the conversation because everything starts with a conversation. Absolutely. I, I kind of got this from my brother though. I started learning to just use a little humor. You know, I'm not, not cracking jokes, but just, you know, cause not only does it help put the other person at ease more than anything, it puts me at ease. Like if we get, if I can laugh with you and smile, smile at you and you smile back, it just kind of makes you go, ah, it just makes you exhale a little bit because we can relax and be human with each other at that point. Most definitely. So, listen, so I'm gonna give one of my little, my secrets. Cause it's just us here. You know, it's just us right now, the listeners <laughs> right now, right? <laughs> us and the listeners. Uh, one of the things I used to do when I first started getting out there is when I would go to an event, uh, and I would put my name, but then I would put unicorn on my sticker, you know, on my name tag. And that always started a conversation because people were like, okay, you know, either you're into some cosplay something or <laughs> like what's really going on? And I really want to know. And so people would always go, what's with the unicorn on your name tag? And I would go into this whole process of that, you know, I don't, I don't act the way that other people act. I don't see things the way other people see things. And um, that's really allowed me to have a, very interesting life so far. So, absolutely, and it's funny you say that because I keep hearing that more and more often using unicorn. Mm -hmm. And I've run into, and to be honest, especially a lot of women in um, in podcasting in marketing, putting that unicorn tag. And you're right; it does. It draws people in. It makes you go, "What do, what do you mean by unicorn?" Are you into My Little Pony or something? Yeah, what is that? What's that all about? <laughs> oh, it, it, and you know what's interesting? Especially as, and, and I'm saying this, as coming into the podcasting industry as an African-American woman, mm -hmm. it was like you had to make space. Right. And so being the unicorn in that industry, in this field, it was literally me trying to make space because you either had the people that were trying to scam you out of everything or mm. the people that just didn't want you to have a voice. Uh, and I actually remember in 2017 being at a podcasting event and we were, you know, we're at lunch, we're talking, you know, everybody's just having like, you know, just candid conversation. And I said a statement and one of the men, a Caucasian man at the table said, oh, ah, I don't like that. That's that stuff that uh, Gary V talks about. And just kind of like shut down a conversation that he wasn't even a part of. Mm. And I just looked and was like, wow, the audacity that you believe that you were that important for us to know that you didn't like Gary V. I don't. <laughs> well, now that you said it, I got to know what was the statement. Well, Gary Vee always talk about content being king. Right. And I said, you know, content is king, but video is queen. Because video right now is such a, and this is back in 2017, video was still just kind of revving up. 
we were doing a live streaming at the time i was live streaming on periscope and uh on a few other platforms and you know, it was becoming like this really big momentum where so many people had already jumped into the uh youtube thing and it was like we're kind of on the back end of trying to get onto that you had live streaming and you could literally go and almost reach out and talk to and touch clients and your audience and so many things were opening up so we were talking about video and he just did that and everybody at the table kind of just looked at each other like we didn't need that <laughs> and it, and it's funny because and this is something i i am always trying to be careful about and i try to tell people be careful about shunning what may be a trend because the funny thing is even in podcasting i keep seeing this discussion come up about you know should i take my podcast to video should i take my podcast to youtube and then there's these experts who say well no and then there's some who say well if you do you need to do it like this you need to do it like that and then i sometimes i'll chime in and remind them i've been doing this podcast for three years now I've been streaming the videos of it for two of those three. <laughs> I never said, oh, this is stupid. Why, why do this? Why do this? You know what? Why not? Because it's, it's a trend. Jump on it. Don't ever call something stupid until it pans out. If after a while it turns out to be stupid, hey, we tried. What did we lose? Nothing. YouTube's free. True indeed. True indeed. And we. this is one of the things that I love about us as creatives, as creatives, everything is an opportunity. Absolutely. Like there's nothing under the sun that will not be an opportunity for something to blow up, for something to become um, uh, a way for you to, you know, increase revenue. Like there's always something. And when you're a creative and you're in that creative space, Listen, I, you don't shut down things because you never know where it's going to take you. Like it may not do well for someone else and that's okay, but you don't know where it may take you. And so you always have to be in that mindset of, okay, this may be something that's going to be an escalator up to the next level, or it might be a ladder. You never know. Absolutely. That's why, like I said, that's why I try not to say, well, this is stupid. I shouldn't, don't do this. I'm an expert. Don't do that. No, do it. If it don't work, it don't work. Big deal. But let's jump into the most important stuff. Let's talk about becoming unmuted. When I saw that, I immediately fell in love with you saying become unmuted. How did you come up with that? What, what does that, and what does that mean to you? So for me, it, covers a multitude of things. Um, as a woman that's dealt with domestic violence, that's dealt with uh, molestation, homelessness, divorce, many of these things make us muted in who we are as an individual. And it's because the shame that's attached to it, it's because the societal beliefs and, you know, the expectations and judgments uh, for what that means what meaning being homeless what that means what that quote unquote looks like um and things like that so we become muted about what the experience was for us something that we find when we become unmuted is that it's a healing process and so back in 2015 
uh, I had a discussion with my oldest daughter. I am the mother of two amazing young women, well, young women now, uh, who are victors over molestation. And uh, I myself am a victor over molestation, but no one knew. And so in 2015, I was talking to my oldest daughter about trust. And I kind of just blurted it out in the moment that I had been molested as a child. Like it, it was it was my me too before the me too. And in that moment, we both were silent, just cried a bit. But it did something for me because I had been holding that in from my childhood. My mother went to her grave never knowing. Uh, none of my family ever knew. And here it was, I was attempting to help my children get through something that I hadn't even completely healed from. And for so many people, we don't realize that the process of becoming unmuted allows us to unmute somebody else. The process of becoming unmuted allows us to help somebody else come out of, I used to say it like this, people are in a prison and sometimes the door is wide open, but they just need somebody to say, to come to the door and say, come on out. And so that was what that process was for me. And so when I looked at other women and I started working with women who have been through domestic violence and um, all of these other things, it shifted something. And I said, wow, that process of becoming unmuted is so much bigger than what I initially thought. But if you unmute one person, it has the power to unmute generations. It has the power to unmute the government. It has the power to unmute communities. It has the power to unmute the future in such a powerful way that it allows us to understand that we're human and we're connected in many more ways than we think. Absolutely. Um, first of all, I'm sorry for what whatever you went through. Um, that kind of thing always just upsets me. I. I, I can never wrap my mind around that, especially molestation of a child. Um, but I was watching you at empowerment there. You have a, an empowerment video on your website and uh, you were talking about this and you were talking about bringing yourself out of the penalty box. And I thought once again, what a, what a great analogy of this, because you were saying, you know, like you just talked about, here you are trying to help someone else deal with something that you had dealt with yourself, but you were even keeping it a secret from yourself as in a way that you were keeping yourself in a penalty box. And I think a lot of us deal with that. Like we, we all have something. I, I mean, you know, we talk about this all the time. All humans are broken in some way or another, but that ignoring it, and, and I feel like God sometimes put that puts things in our plate, you know, in front of us that says, no, you're going to deal with it today. <laughs> and here's how you're going to deal with it. <laughs> and what did you feel like that was the moment, like with your daughter, that that was that was the moment of you being told, no, you're going to actually deal with this today. Yeah, it, it led to something great. I'm going to tell you why. Um, that was the push for me to say, you know what? 2016 is going to be my year. And everybody talks about this whole new year, new me, right? 2016, right. new year, new me. And I was like, yes, 2016 is going to be my year. Uh, December 31st of 2015, I was evicted from my home. 
And so I'm literally the day before my new year, new me, I am taking all of my things and putting them on the sidewalk and waiting for someone to bring a U-Haul truck so I can put all my stuff in storage. Here's where the situation changes. On January 1st, I had a flight that was already planned. And so do I take this flight or do I have my pity party? Because the reality is, is I'm homeless. Even though I was able to go ahead and move into a good girlfriend's um, apartment, she had a two bedroom. And so between the living room and the second bedroom, me and my children were split between you know where we were staying. It was hard. Because again, shame tells us, why are you taking a flight? You're homeless. Right. Shame says, um, you're, you're a horrible mother. Shame says, uh, you're a horrible person. And we have that moment of tearing ourselves apart and saying, I'm not worthy of anything else. January 1st, I had a decision to make. Do I take this flight or do I have my pity party? And for the first time, I said, I'm going to push through. I'm going to go ahead and take the flight. Now, for me, that was major because, again, I'm in the midst of I just put all my stuff in storage. Uh, I just went and, you know, moved in to a good girlfriend's apartment. And, like, everything is a whirlwind right now. But I take this flight. And first flight, no problem. Get to my second flight, my layover. And I'm like, there's no group number on my ticket. In my mind, because I'm a creative, going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> what else would you think? Yeah. <laughs> jail is coming. So I'm like, all right, let me brave it up and go ahead and let the people know. Uh, they said, no problem, just going with group two. So I'm like, all right, bet. They call group two. I go to get in line so I can get on the flight. And then they say my name over the loudspeaker. That creative mind, I'm looking out the window, checking to see if the TSA is like coming down from a helicopter. There she is. One of the carts is like coming through to come arrest me. Um, but I get to the booth and they hand me a brand new ticket in its first class. Now, I've told this part of my journey before, but one of the things I never told people was that years before I had someone prophesy over me and say, I see you taking first class flights. And, you know, all over the world and, and you know, I see you, you know, helping different people when it comes to health and, and this and that. And, and I, at the time I was like, <laughs> you're funny. Cause I wasn't even taking trips at the time, right. let alone taking a flight to help and somebody else. Listen, at that particular time, I couldn't even find a job. So here we are in 2016 and I'm handed a brand new ticket in its first class. Blew my mind because it was the reminder of God saying, if you just step forward, if you step outside that penalty box, I got you. Right. I got you. It's, it's okay. Yes. You're still, when you go home, you're still, you're still homeless. When you go home, you're still going to have to deal with some other things there. That, one thing literally was the snowball effect for so many other things. And so I still had all of that to deal with. But he put me in a position of, if you would just trust me, I can show you something better. And so that 
was the initiator for me to go and do other things. I published my first book while I was still homeless. Um, I went on to publish and co-author a total of 20 books up to date from 2016 until now. Whoa. Okay. We got to back up a little bit because there's a thousand questions along the way here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. First of all, the flight that you already had booked, where were you going? I was going to visit somebody, I think in Michigan. So it was like just a visit. It was just a visit. It wasn't like I was going to like some conference or something. It was just a visit. Okay. Now the second one, the second question may be a little bit harder and a little more personal. And what, what brought you to the place of homelessness? Like what, what happened? Having a poverty mindset puts you in a position of not taking responsibility for what it is you need to do. So you'll go and spend money on, on getting this and getting that and not really focus on the important things, not focus on setting money aside. At the time as well, I was working a full-time job and still living paycheck to paycheck. And unfortunately, that's a lot of people all around the world. Yep. Is I got I got more. My uh my old pastor used to say, You you had more month than money. <laughs> and so there was a lot of times where I had more month than money. And here's how I found out that I had been evicted. I went to pay my rent, which was late. And when I went to the bank account, the bank to go put the money in the account that was attached to the person that, you know, collects the rent, that account was closed. Mm. Uh, No email. He had already sold the house. The account was closed. And so I had to go back and say, take responsibility because no, I wasn't the best at communicating. That matter of fact, I was, I was the Worst, the, T-H-E-E, the worst at communication, which is odd because now I'm a podcaster and an author. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> and an introvert. And, and an introvert, right? <laughs> um, but I had to learn and heal in so many ways for me to get to where I am right now. But at that time, no. It was even hard for me. I'm, I'm a mom, it was hard for me to say, hey, I, I need somewhere to stay. Hey, I'm, um, I need help. And even the people that were around me were like, you didn't say anything. And I'm like, because, because we are raised to put on that front. Exactly. Everything's fine. I'm good. I got this new I'm TV. Good. I got, I'm so, I'm so thankful for that answer of yours, that poverty mindset. Hey, as long as I got nice stuff, everything's fine. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting because when I first moved to Maryland, because I'm currently in Maryland, I was originally from Philly. It was after my girls, um, we had found out that my girls were molested. And I remember literally sleeping on the floor so they could sleep in the bed. I remember going to church and having, having, listen, 
being dialed up at church and having you know nice shoes on or sometimes in a nice outfit and um but then i also remember days where i didn't even have money to buy a belt and so i found a string that i could wrap around my 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 pants to keep my pants up because i couldn't buy new clothes i remember like so many different things but we try to keep up the image right keep the smile on your face you're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be excited. You're supposed to be, and I, and I was depressed. Hmm. I was depressed. And I'm thank, thank you for sharing all of that too, because I think a lot of times, a lot of people, myself included, sometimes we tend to forget, you know, the person you're seeing. There's a backstory. Everyone has a backstory. There's something behind that, even if they're smiling, you're smiling in your face until you know that person you don't know the backstory and then like you said someone like you then you end up homeless well the first thing that starts to happen i feel like a lot of times there's a lot of judgment the first thing that happens is like you said well why are you going on that flight i'm sure people told you why don't you just sell that ticket and pay your rent i'm sure you heard that right Oh, yeah. People were like, oh, I thought she was crazy. Right, yeah. right. But that's not, you know, the, the, the details. You, If you don't know the details, I wasn't there. They weren't there. You were there. You know what happened. You know what you did. You know what you didn't do. And so there's that. So, but then you moved on. And then you started this talk about becoming unmuted. Let's get back to that. What what led you to that point where you said, you know what, I need to start because the way you put it, sharing your story helps you help other people. What brought you to that point and how did you start sharing your story to help other people? So it started with me live streaming, uh, it, which is really interesting because I hear people say all the time, oh, you know, you don't look like an introvert and we see you on <laughs> camera and you're so vibrant and this and that. And I'm like, this is practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I put in hours and time to get to this point, but no. Uh, so I would literally go live on Periscope and tell my story. And it was the most awkward <laughs> um, because I would have a couple hundred people in there at a time. I could have five people in there. And I would just be telling my story and it was really, it was therapeutic, but it was also a way for me to strengthen myself as someone who, you know, I wanted to be in front of people and help them go through the process that I had gone through. And so I got to the first book. First book was published uh, in March of 2016. Uh, and the title of the book is It's Okay to Cry. Now, not a popular discussion right there, right? Especially amongst so, men. Mm, I fought on the title. I was like, <laughs> I don't know, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on. But ain't nobody going to pick up a book called It's Okay to Cry. Uh, that's weird. I don't understand. But it was so significant because there's always going to be confirmation that you're on the right track. So I published the first book. Now, I did you self-publish? I self-published. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, great. First book is out. Uh, 
and I'm live streaming on Periscope. And I would normally at that time was going live at 630 in the morning. Um, I'm on East Coast. So, of course, West Coast is 330. In right. the and a woman had come in and she had just so happened to be up because her kitten, her got, like her kitten had gotten stuck underneath the sink or something. And so she saw the notification and she just came in. And we were talking about not talking to family and all this other stuff. And she got really into the conversation and she said, she started to cry. Mm. She said throughout this whole process that she's going through with her family, that was the one thing that she did not do, but she had not allowed herself that moment to just cry. Wow. And that was confirmation because it was like, you're on the right track. That right there and every step of the way like there's been little confirmations um people showing up at events and saying you know it was me listening to you that got me through some of the hardest moments in my life it was little stuff like that and even even up until the pandemic and the one that happened in the pandemic was the most um stranger danger-ish moment <laughs> but <laughs> um i'm in maryland and I was helping an organization in Delaware hand out food during the pandemic. Uh, and they would do it a couple times a month. And so we were in Wilmington. And I had a woman walk up to me. Now, mind you, it's pandemic. I have a mask on my face. Right. You can see my eyes and the top of my head. Um, but she walked up to me. She said, thank you. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, we're handing out food. So I'm like, oh, no worries. You know, they, they do this often. And, they, and she said, no, no, no. She said, you don't know me, but your aunt helped me to get out of a domestic violent relationship. And so I, I was done. I was, I broke down in tears. I had to get myself together because my aunt, because I wrote my first book and was live streaming she would go and she would share out my broadcast. And she was like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm getting all these notifications. And she would just share stuff out. And then she got to a point where she said, I'm, I think I'm ready to tell my story. Oh, wow. And I was like, yes, this is step A. This is part number two. And she was like, hey, I didn't say today. I, said, I, I, I think I'm ready. <laughs> Roll that back a little bit. Um, but to date, she's published five books. Really? Yeah. And so she was live streaming at one time. She was helping other women that had been through domestic violent relationships. And through her live streaming and her books, she helped this young lady get out of a domestic violent relationship. Wow. If that don't inspire you to go and do what is in your heart to do, I don't know what will, because you never know who it's going to help. So me saying yes to being unmuted inspired my aunt to say yes to being unmuted, who helped another woman to come out of something that could have been deadly. That's absolutely incredible. I literally just got chills off of that. Um, and this is something I tell people all the time too, especially in the, in the indie podcast space, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, there's, there's always the chatter about, well, how should you sound? What should you be talking about? How should you put your show together? 
But I always remind people, be authentic first. Do your show first. Talk about what you, why, why are you doing this in the first place? And like you said, you started doing your live stream because you felt that you needed to become unmuted. And then look what happened. And for all the younger folks out there who may not remember Periscope was how you used to live stream to Twitter. Uh, they don't call it that anymore. Now you just yeah, use. It's not, it's not called. I, I, I feel like I just called myself old, but yeah, it's not called that anymore. Guys. <laughs> it's only been a couple of years. You're not that old. Don't worry about it. They, they only killed it. Like, I think it was only two years ago. They stopped calling yeah, they it Periscope. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty recent. So just in case people were confused, well, what's Periscope? Why do you keep talking about Periscope? What the heck is that? But that was just because you can still live stream to Twitter. You just don't use Periscope anymore. Right. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. So you, you mentioned you wrote how many books already? 20. I've co-authored slash authored a total of 20 books collectively. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So just by finally opening up, sharing your story, becoming unmuted, like you like to call it. And I love that, by the way. Look what it has led to. That's incredible. So... Which now brings us to your, I guess this is your latest, it's called Unmuted Strategies to Move from Tragedy to Triumph. Is that the latest, latest? Oh, yeah. That's my latest baby. And you mentioned earlier that you like to focus more on, you know, helping women with this sort of thing. But like I said, from, from just looking, to, looking into you for the little bit that I did, I think these strategies work for men as well because, and I've had these discussions before, you know, even with myself, I think a lot of us as humans in general, we do tend to bury things and then we think, well, as a matter of fact, in your empowerment speech, you were talking about, um, well, why would anybody want to hear my little story? And I think you were talking about trying to publish your a book and you said, well, there's so many books on Amazon. Why would anybody want to hear my little story? How did you eventually get over that? And what would you tell anyone who feels that way? Well, you know, I'm just not that important is how that comes across. So I'm glad you brought that up, Leo, because listen, my first book, it took me eight years to publish the first book. So let's think about that in perspective. It took me eight years to publish the first book. 
but between 2016 and 2022, I've published a total of 20. And it's usually within those years that that initial time that you're preparing to tell that story that you're questioning, should I tell my story? Is anybody going to care? Is anybody going to buy the book? Uh, I know many of us have always heard about the stories of authors going and then they have like 500 books sitting in their garage because they can't sell them. And, you know, things like that. Right. These are the stories that made us. Uh, (laughs) But one of the most significant things that I've found, first and foremost, when you publish your story, when you hold that book in your hand, you're literally holding legacy your name is on that book. And that feeling is like no other. It's like no other. The second piece of it is that a lot of times what happens, especially when we're trying to, we're an indie author, we're trying to go ahead and self-publish and we are our own worst critics. So I'll, I'll give you a few of the things that as authors or potential authors that we do, We try to edit everything as we're writing instead of doing a brain dump. We try to write if even if that's not our strong point. And and hear me clearly because I'm not saying that you you can't spell. I'm not saying that that it's difficult for I'm saying when you are writing your story, oftentimes it's coming from a place of emotion. And it's not always easy because when we bring up an emotion that made us go back to a time where we were hurt, our mental, our mind immediately says no. Like we don't want to go there. We don't want to feel that again. We don't want to be in that same space. And since we don't want to be in that space, we shut down. That's where you start getting writer's block and you can't think of something and you're like, oh, or you get distracted. Then you go do laundry. Then you realize you don't have no dish detergent. So now you're out of the store. Like all types of things <laughs> start happening, right? When you go and you say you're going to sit down. So one of the things that I do, especially with working with women that have gone through, um, trauma is I tell them record yourself ah yes and it's okay to have the emotion it's okay if you cry it's okay if you stumble over your words but record yourself and you can have that transcribed as opposed to you trying to write it because sometimes it's just a little harder to try to write it out and what I found over time was that, and, and this is why it is so significant, is that, yeah, this is something that helps not just women, that helps men as well. And so I've had men that have come into some of my programs. I've had men that have come and um, be a part of some of my book projects and, you know, be uh, speak at some of my events and things like that. So um, it's been an amazing experience along the way. But that process of becoming unmuted and going ahead and telling that story, one of the most powerful things that you can understand is that your story is valid and valuable. Mm. And don't ever, don't ever allow anybody else to tell you different. Your story is valid and your story is valuable because the emotions that you felt, they're yours. 
Right. The experience right. that you had, it's yours. It's valid. It happened. Now, there may be moments where things didn't happen as, you know, in the way that we thought it happened or, you know, our perspective, our perception of things sometimes right. can alter some things. Well, it's but our it mind trying to keep us safe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but it did happen. It's valid and it is valuable. I'll give this example. When we look at Kanye West and the docu-series that he just released, that was just released for him on Netflix, how much did they get paid? Was that like 30 million? Mm, something like that, yeah. It was a lot. But they didn't know that it was worth 30 million when they first started recording. Well, he didn't know that it was when they first started recording. (laughs) Listen, when he first started recording Kanye and what he was doing, it was the idea that it was valid and valuable. The one thing I will always say about Kanye, though, regardless of everyone saying, oh, he's crazy, whatever, his mental health, blah, blah, blah. No one can ignore the fact that he understands marketing he understands um how to get attention he understands how to sell so i'm going to kind of differ with you on this point i kanye knew going in oh no 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 not kanye i'm talking about the person that was recording him oh no they all knew yeah i'm like they, they, <laughs> they all knew. They, they all knew. Them. Yeah, they all knew that what it would make a splash. Here's one thing that he um, he's. I'm surprised he hasn't done this yet. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and I probably should put a copyright tag on it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Kanye went a whole year or two where no one heard from him. Guess what happens in year three? He releases something and guess what it does? <laughs> the man, cause I think what happens is people sometimes confuse, um, weirdness or differentness or even mental health with being dumb or stupid. The oh, man yeah. is not stupid. <laughs> he's, he's, far, he's far from stupid. <laughs> you may not very. agree with him. I don't agree with a lot, with a lot of what he does. But he's not stupid. So, <laughs> very, very true. And you know what's funny though? Because even when we think of the music industry as a whole, mm-hmm. that's the idea. I mean, and, and, and I, we'll, we'll take it there for a second, right? Because okay. I'm giving my voluntary input. Let's do We're it. We'll take it there for a second. All right. <laughs> because that's the idea when it comes to anybody who is in a place of influence is that that's all you do. Right. You're just the basketball player. You're just the football player. You're just the singer. You're just the actor. That's what, that's you. Mm-hmm. And then you, nothing else is supposed to, you know, be a, a title under your belt. And so I know that we've seen this within the last 10 years where people have come out of one, <laughs> one arena, one industry and have excelled in another industry. Yep. And people are still like, confused that this is something that people can do. And so even with Kanye, when he made that transition from the producing 
to nah, g- give me the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you brought that up because it's funny. A lot of people I've learned over the years who uh, talk about him or even say they follow him, whatever, they don't remember or they never even knew that Kanye was a producer long before he was a rapper. He produced so much for Jay-Z. He produced so much for a bunch of other people. And a lot of people don't even realize that. They think, oh, he's just this famous rapper who now has mental issues. No, no, this man had a career long before a lot of these people even heard of him. And now these are the people who are judging him. Like you don't even know the man, okay? <laughs> you don't even know what he was doing until you heard him speak. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that, it was the same thing when they were looking at some of the rappers, and they were like, "Wait, they have a college education from where?" Yeah, they have this. <laughs> I'm like, you're thinking like, there's you put the idea of them, you know, this one thing in this box of if they're a rapper, this is all they can do. No, and we look at, and, and I'm gonna tell you one that really stands out for me the most. Uh, Snoop. Oh yeah. Snoop said, "Box where you won't put me in no box." <laughs> when I saw him, when I saw him and Kevin Hart <laughs> doing the Olympics, the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I said, <laughs> "I said you better go ahead." Oh. I said him and Martha Stewart, mm. <laughs> and then yeah, him being in other things like he's always been like there is no box stop trying to put me in it you know what he's doing now right snoop is all up in the nft space if you know about nfts uh he hosts uh twitter spaces talking about nft projects him and his son and all of these other guys these these tech people and other creators um, as a matter of fact, his latest album, Algorithm, is basically talking about and is based in NFT spaces. And, I love and guess what? He is very successful at it. <laughs> I'm not going to quote numbers because that's not my job to promote this man. Because he don't yeah. need me to promote him, first of all. He don't right. need me to do it. Right. Uh, but if you get a chance, if you're on Twitter spaces, first of all, you need to start following Snoop. And he will host these these spaces. And you hear him talk about it. And all these other people that are working with him, it's like, Snoop, really? Man. <laughs> and it's powerful, though, too. Because, again, you people have put people into a box. Right. And, and it's like, you can't put one a person into any type of box. You don't know their background. You don't know their level of creativity. Um, I, I'm just like, no, there's so many things out here. And when we see a basketball player go and open up a school, you're like, oh, no, wait, how did it? Listen, <laughs> we can do anything. We really can do anything. We listen. We really can. Pete Davidson is about to go out in space. We really can do anything that we want to do. Like him and Kim. Listen, we really can. <laughs> we really can do anything that we want to do. Even when we think about uh, people used to joke 
And, you know, shout out to, you know, the people that we talking to. We we showing love, y'all. It's all in love. But right, right, when they used to talk about Jermaine Dupree and when he, he was dating Janet and they were like, JD? How? Because <laughs> we really can <laughs> do whatever we want to do. And since we're being honest and real, let's let's talk about Let's talk about that some more because let's be honest, Altavis. Black people, we often do that to ourselves too. I grew up through this as a nerd. Just had this conversation recently. Well, black people don't do stuff like that. Black people, you what what you doing? You know, that's not black enough. Why why are you doing this or that or whatever? And so we often put that on ourselves. And black people sometimes mute our fellow black people because black people aren't supposed to quote unquote do stuff like that, right? Look, I just my birthday weekend was just a little bit ago, and we went horseback riding. Me and my good girlfriends. Mm-hmm. I went horseback riding in Wyoming before. Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> I can say this: it was an interesting experience. Yeah. That whole gallop, I wasn't ready for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Did it take off on you unexpectedly? He galloped, and I was like, hey, Ooh. wait a minute. Oh, where are we going? <laughs> We're not communicating right now, but we had an understanding. Mm-hmm. Haven't had the exposure in order for us to understand that we could have the experience. I'll give an example of that. I'm Philadelphia, born and raised. Mm-hmm. I'm a Philly girl. But I live in Maryland, this little itty bitty town. Mm. And so coming from the city, there was a lot of things that once I got here, I was like, what in the world? What are we doing? (laughs) And so the thing that really shifted me was open housing. Ah. And so like in the city, you got to have a realtor with you, walk through the house to show you, and then they lock it back up. Out here, they'll have a home that's fully furnished and you just go in and walk around. And of course, that's changed because of the pandemic. So now they've kind of altered it. But could you imagine my surprise the first time me and a good girlfriend walk up to this door and she just opens the door and I'm like, what am I being punked? What are we doing? <laughs> Where the camera's at? <laughs> Why are you just walking in these people's house? What are you doing? And she's like, it's an open house. Oh, what? What are you? No. Open to who? (laughs) I'm like, and they just lead the stuff in here. What are we doing right now? And she just hollered. She cracked a laugh and she said, "Yeah, I can tell you just got out the city. It's all right. You're gonna be okay." But you never had an open house like that before, huh? No, never. Just walked into a. If listen, I'm 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 a I'm an '80s baby, so yeah. You you don't just walk in somebody's house you don't know. The 80 city Run it baby. Down. <laughs> you don't, don't do that. <laughs> That's good stuff. Good stuff. So let's talk more about what you have planned for the future. You got any new books coming out? I feel like you're oh, yeah. probably not done. <laughs> nah. I think I can make it to about honey. I think right. I can make it to about honey. Uh, um, it's funny because I think one of the things that I, I came to grips with is we often talk about the the richest place on the earth on earth is the grave and i said i I made a statement i will not make the grave any richer 
Who? Wait a minute. What? I've never heard that before. Yes. They talk about the richest place in, in the world is the graveyard because so many people take great ideas, information, and everything to the grave. Um, huh. And even in our own our own bloodline, our own um, parents and grandparents and great grandparents, there's things that they knew and understood and and we didn't always talk about things again. Mm. We didn't always communicate things. So a lot of it went to the grave and we would probably be in a different position. I think about my own great grandparents and how they own land and things like that. And the only reason I know that now is because I actually have the documents um, from the land from back in like 1920s. And, and I have like, you know, all of this stuff from them, but that's the only reason I know it, but other people don't know that information as far back. So I said, I will not make the grave any richer. So I'm going to write as many books as I can for sure. Uh, I do have a part two to the Unmuted Anthology coming out later this year. I am doing um, the World Voice Summit in October. Uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be a hybrid. It's going to be partially virtual, par partially in person, because, you know, we still kind of, you know, in that space of trying to get things together. Trying to get, yeah, get back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but outside of that, um, the biggest leap for me has been the um, stepping into this influencer realm, uh, being able to, uh, I live stream on Amazon. Um, I work with a couple different brands and have you know brand sponsorships brand collaborations so that's the big piece for me now is stepping into that 100 percent. and then i still help women as well so i still have like an accountability membership that i go and i collaborate with women and we do a weekly accountability call so the simple things like that i still have those things going on as well that's a lot and that's awesome it's so great to hear that you're doing it um we and I, I, I often find myself. I'll tell you something. One of the reasons why I love to do this show and speaking to people like you is I love to tell people the truth about yourself. You're doing great things. Keep doing them, and we need more people like you. We need more honesty. We need more. You talked a lot about. You talked about community. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you talked a lot about community. And that's my favorite word. Like even from your girlfriend that helped you in your homeless situation, if you didn't have that person in your community, what would you have done? Like, where would you have gone? You know, what would you, where would you be now without community? And that's a beautiful thing. I love it. I love it so much. Oh yeah. It's funny because as the introvert, I'm the introvert in the group for sure. I'm one of them. And I tell them, I said, y'all make me people. <laughs> and I think about once a month, they make sure that I get out and I people at least once a month. Yeah. Uh, but having community is so important. And I think that's one of the things that we lost as we lost our older generations yep. because they had such a, a better understanding of what community could really do. That's what, you know, that's why they had the Tupperware parties and they would come together and take care of, you know, somebody needed a coat for their kid. They would come together and, and purchase the coat and things like that. Like little things like that were actually big things. Um, and we lost that. And in so many different neighborhoods, we lost that. And just, oh my goodness, just with life, We've yeah. lost it with the ink. Listen, technology has been our friend and our foe. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm the first pair. Uh, hey, as a lifelong nerd, 
I admit it all the time. I even say it sometimes as a joke. Maybe we shouldn't have given this to everybody. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that one. We thought, and oh, this is the best thing. Some people should have had like a trial period first, <laughs> right? Like a ninety-day thing going on. Yep, for sure. Oh my gosh, this has been wonderful. I want to thank you so much for coming on. And again, I'll remind people of your website if they just go to. How about you remind them? Where can they find oh, your sure, book? Most definitely. So www.iamunmuted.com, you go to that website and you'll see the blog, you'll see stuff about the podcast, you'll see stuff about the book, but most importantly, you'll see some things that inspire you to become unmuted. Guess what? It starts with just the one action. It can be writing your story down. It could be telling somebody your story for the first time, whatever that may be. But all across that whole website is going to be things that inspire you to become unmuted. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on again. And as I always remind people, if you have any questions, comments, or show ideas, just go to voluntaryinput.com. You can select contact to submit those questions, comments, or show ideas, or better yet, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, select register as a guest because we're always looking for great guests like you and Altavis. Come back anytime. The next book you write or every book after that, come back anytime. We'll talk more about it and we could get, we can get a little more deeper if, if you want to. I mean, we started to, <laughs> we had to dial it back. We got to keep it a little PG 13 too. So. <laughs> Most definitely. Most I had a feeling we could have gone way off the rails there a little bit, but, <laughs> but thank you once again for coming on and you're welcome back anytime. My pleasure. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. All righty. Peace and take care. We'll see you next time on Voluntary Input.